0: to Everyday Androvian, a podcast to help us walk closely with Jesus. My name's Jonathan and I'm here with my co-host, Josh, and I think it's our first responsibility to let you know why we've got a weird name, Everyday Androvian. It's not the name I would have first
1: come up with for a podcast. Yeah. Break it down, Jono.
0: It's super simple. <laughs> Every day, because we want to help us, the St. Andrew's Church family, connect Sunday with the rest of the week. And it's Androvian, because that's the adjective of Andrew. So, it's meant to be a kind of in-house podcast, building a common sense of identity as the people who worship God in Warunga. Yes, not who worship Andrew Rees. Not who worship Andrew Rees. He is admirable... Are Not worthy of worship. Very good. Good to clear that up earlier. So, Jonathan,
1: what kind of things are we going to be doing in this podcast? What's it going to look like?
0: There are three ways that we're hoping to achieve the aims of the Everyday Androvian podcast. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to reflect on the sermons. Um, trying to apply them a little more fully, maybe going into a little more depth and and, and seeking more clarity on what God's word means to us. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to try and think Christianly about issues out there in society, about phenomena, so especially like the the coronavirus. What does it mean for us as Christians to respond to this and, and thinking those issues through? And finally, we're going to interview people. So we want to hear from a broad range of voices and backgrounds from eight from 945 and from six maybe even from youth group kids mixing it up Ow. so we can yeah so we can get to know uh, we can get to know the whole family of St Andrew's Warunga and be encouraged by each other's Christian faith.
1: Now this first episode this was recorded a couple of weeks ago Um, And so it refers to the Ephesians series that we were working through and that we're going to come back to. But uh, as things would have it, we also talked a lot about how you sort of see the world, which is a really important thing to be thinking about right at the moment as well. So we've got a couple of interviews to come. We've got some reflections on the Psalm series that we're working through. But first up, let's have a look at Ephesians, Seeing the World, through God's eyes. Now, Jonathan, a, a bit of a theme of uh, this series. In fact, what the what the series is called is um, Ephesians: Seeing through God's eyes. Seeing has been a big theme, and we've been talking a bit about um, how we see things mm. uh, in our lives and how that differs from how other, other people see things. Now, there's a concept that's pretty handy to bring in right now, mm. um, but it's, it's related to a word that I can't pronounce. So,
0: yes, the word that you can't pronounce is Germanic <laughs> in origin <laughs> and that word is Veltenschauung. Oof. Which means world perception, or more commonly to us English speakers, we simply understand this word to mean worldview, which might be familiar to some people worldview mm. yes, uh, the way we see the world how um, how does that look like what what is it what does it mean? Where does it show itself yeah, so the word worldview doesn 't mean physical sight, although physical sight might come into it, you kind of have to take it in its two parts. Firstly, we're going to just accept that there's a world out there. We can agree on that. We can agree on that. So, you see trees, you see buildings, which human beings have made, there's life and different types of life, Uh, we're on a planet, there are other planets and so forth. So, there's this thing called a world, but... Where worldview establishes itself is the the meaning and the significance that we attribute to the world. So, for example, a a really simple illustration of different worldviews is whether or not there's a God. So, some people within their worldview would look at the world and say, there is no God because I can't see him. Whereas other people would say, well, actually, this doesn't come from nowhere. I think a God must have made it. Or perhaps gods, plural. Mm. And so, there you'd have worldview difference there. So, a, a worldview is essentially the, the beliefs and the values and the kind of actions that stem from those beliefs and values that, that one has. Mm. Uh, different groups can have different worldviews, um, but everyone has one. Right. There's so, I've got no, one. No one's exempt. Yeah. You've got one. I've got one. All of the listeners have one. All of the listeners have one. So, if you're listening, you actually have a worldview. You have beliefs, you have values (laughs) and uh, actions that whether you know it or not are shaped by those beliefs and values. We're looking at
1: the same world Mm. but then kind of uh, processing it in a different way Yeah, and um, taking meaning out of it that might differ
0: markedly from the person next to us who sees pretty much the same world. Correct. And the reason why worldview has become such a thing lately. Maybe you haven't heard the, the word, but it is coming up more and more, is, is the fact that at least in the West, we live in uh, pluralistic societies. That is, whereas before, maybe most people identified as Christian, you know whether that was Protestant or Catholic or whatever. Mm. Roughly speaking, we had a really similar way of looking at the world and understanding ourselves and what we did. Whereas nowadays, we have Christians, but we also have a lot of people who identify as atheists say and then with um immigrant populations from particularly the 19th century onwards uh, sorry the 20th century onwards uh we have people coming from for example asian backgrounds or indian backgrounds or african backgrounds and and they have different cultures and different worldviews, and that's introduced into our society and all of a sudden we're, we're living together mm. and rubbing up against each other and realizing oh you see things differently To me. So, for example, Hindus have a different view of cows Mm. to me. Um, What's your view of cows, Jonathan? I have a high view of cows like Mm -hmm. Hindus. Uh, However, I am in favor of abattoirs and cows going into them so that the cow in the modified form can go to the butcher and uh, the cow product can Mm. end up on my barbecue at home. Mm, Delicious. Yeah. Hindu though, not so much. Well... For, for them, there's a kind of a sense of the sacred about the cow and, and, and the cow is, is to be respected and not killed um, because there's a value to the cow that I don't attribute to it. Mm. So there's a difference there in worldview. And, and what causes that can be really far back, super deep kind of assumptions and, and beliefs mm. um, that are informing this. And it's interesting because I think
1: uh, with some different worldviews, the the exterior markers are more obvious. So um, you can see by, I think, yeah, yeah we were talking before about um, a Sikh person mm-hmm. um, often, often dresses in a very obvious way and you go, oh, this person has a different worldview to me. Mm. But even people who are, you know, look pretty much the same
0: can have very different kind of assumptions about the world. Correct. You could have... Someone, um, yeah, you could have two people at a yoga class in Bronte, just trying to bring a bit of um, out of North Shore geography into the mix. You could have two people at a at a at a Pilates class, say, and it's a bit more uh, neutral. Yeah, a bit it's more been, neutral yeah. than <laughs> yoga. Say. And uh, and and one can be a Christian, and and the other person can actually be uh, deep into Buddhism. Yes, but yes. they look exactly the same. You know, same ethnic background, perhaps same clothing but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they've got um some pretty different beliefs going on there
1: yeah and the uh, i guess the premise of, of this series um and the way it's been set up has been that um there is something i guess wrong with our world views we are not good at seeing on our own at, as we are we we can't actually see
0: reality I've got a quote here to Excellent. back that up. Yeah, that actually is what we're, we're getting into. Is, so in our... Is it a quote from um, a the blessed. well-known theologian? It's a quote from a well-known local theologian Excellent. named Andrew. And it goes like this. Seeing the world through ourselves is faulty. We need God's perspective, which we can only gain by being in Christ. Hmm. Seeing the world through ourselves is faulty
1: yes so he's picking up um yeah on this was the first sermon wasn't it um ephesians 1 yeah uh talking about uh not being able to see the reality of the world without christ and seeing that um in christ it's only in christ that you can see
0: spiritual blessings but you can't see those without christ that's correct and um, I think maybe we could touch on the fact that this statement is challenging for the people in our society who aren't believers, the idea that they can't actually see the world straight. Mm. There's perhaps a fence to be taken in that because the ordinary person would say, well, my vision's fine. I know what's right and wrong mm. and so forth. I'm a member of a society and maybe we've made mistakes in the past, but we've made progress. In these respects, we know how to see things and, and do things well. So, the suggestion that we can't see things well is is almost an affront to the modern person. Mm. The idea that, no, there's something you can't do. No matter how hard you work, how clever you are, whatever the teamwork and so forth, you, you can't actually see something and... And what we're we're touching upon is uh, this idea of uh, blessings and and what it means to be blessed and well and whole and actually good. Mm. God's got a perspective on that, but he's limited that perspective to being in Jesus.
1: Yeah, and that was the repeated phrase throughout those first verses, wasn't it? In him, in Christ, that's where you need to be to have a perspective on the world that is actually real that actually is, is
0: truthful to the reality of our cosmos. And and we were applying it just before to this idea of blessings. so I suppose we can get into that. The idea that there are natural blessings was something that came up in the first sermon, and these are separate to spiritual blessings. Mm. So
1: how do you tell a natural blessing from a spiritual blessing? Yeah. Is there I, a, a kind of test
0: you can do? <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a, a, a reliable uh, test as as such, but I, I suppose first we need to define them a little bit more. A, a natural blessing was some good thing that is just there in the world to be received. Mm. So, for example, uh, we are sitting in Josh's beautiful, spacious mm. office, nice. which is with actually action. adorned with lovely flowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not know. real, but they are lovely nonetheless. They're lovely nonetheless. And, and so flowers, for example, you could say that they're a blessing. They're a good thing to to be received. Think about chocolate. We could think about music. All these things are, are blessings. And although people sort of have varying access uh, to good things, what most people would consider good things, they're not actually super, super special. They're not kind of exclusive necessarily to, to one group of people. Um, so that's a natural blessing. It's something that someone can kind of have access to and you don't really need God explicitly to enter into the picture. Yes, although they're all from God. Although they're all from yeah, yeah. from God, there's kind of this just general access to them. Mm-hmm-hmm. So anyone can go to the supermarket and buy a Snickers unless you have... Peanut allergy, in which case you wouldn't be doing that. But I thought you were going to say toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say, no, no, that's actually not true at the moment. Mm, that's true. And if you're into pasta, you're going to need to go to the restaurant, but maybe even they are struggling. So natural blessings just are, I guess, good things
1: that are accessible to everyone in some sense, whoever you are. Spiritual blessings,
0: what are we talking about there? Well, another way to define to that is blessings that come through the spirit. And these are blessings that are accessible only in Jesus. Mm. So what this means is, if you aren't in Jesus, that is, if you're not connected to him, God will not bless you in this way. These blessings include, from the first chapter, they include uh, redemption. So that is being set free from sin, which is a, a huge theological statement. We, we won't go too much into but this idea of being forgiven of our sins, so God, the maker and the judge won't condemn us, but he'll forgive us because of Jesus' death in our place, the idea of adoption, so God including us in his family, and, uh, and a certain future and hope that we have through the Spirit, so this guarantee that we have, in other words, security itself of our, of our future hope, of our future life with Jesus, that also is a spiritual blessing. So all these things are Jesus-exclusive blessings
1: and the thing that really stood out to me is that it's it's it says being in jesus you get every spiritual blessing so there's none that are that are not given to you Uh, god is that good you get you get all of it all at once and it's it's all there you're not lacking anything at all Uh, which is
0: amazing i think that's a that's a really good point that you raise that god couldn't have blessed us more which requires a moment or several moments to take in. The fact that God isn't stingy. God is lavish, yeah. we see in, in chapter one. Because as we'll see in subsequent chapters and as we've heard in church, we actually don't deserve any of these blessings. Mm. It's uh <laughs> that's that amplifies the blessing, the fact that This is in spite of what we deserve. This is in in spite of who we are in relation to God by virtue of our actions and rebellion. God has blessed us so abundantly, so lavishly. He hasn't withheld any blessing. There was no hesitation on his part. Mm. And one of those those
1: blessings is adoption into his family and uh, becoming part of a wider body of Christians across the world, right? His church. And I believe... um, there were some uh, beautiful things said about church as well, and do you, can you actually read out? I think you've got the quote there. Um, another quote from
0: a local theologian, a local theologian who'll remain nameless. The quote is that the church is the main event of the universe. Mm. Main event language almost sounds like you know, kind of television. Yeah, like there's going to be big boxing match or some Olympics Anthony or something Joshua like that.
1: Someone, someone or other. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have to pay for it,
0: which which is counterintuitive. Yeah, because again, let's let's take things from the kind of worldview or the typical perspective of of someone outside of church in our society. If you said to them, "Hey, what do you reckon the main event is in the universe?" they're probably going to say well i don't know what that individual would say but we could think about a few options you know they might an atheist might say the big bang the big bang is the is the main event or or someone would say well the 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 latest political project that sort of aims at progress mm. you know some uh Nations agreeing to pursue something or other, you know, peace. I don't know. You know, like, there are all different things you could sort of point your finger at. Not at the top of the list, I would think, would be the local church.
1: Gathering on a Sunday, singing songs, listening
0: to the word, praying together. That's right. Just the the normal routine actions Mm. that we engage in as the church, in doing those things, we're actually saying something about God and what he has promised to do in the world and what God the creator of the world is doing cannot fail to be the main event of the universe mm. because he's the one who made the universe so he knows <laughs> where it's going and 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 how it all works so that's um that's a real perspective shifting statement that 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 that's contained in that's contained in those words and i mean that's that's a big challenge as well because
1: i find it you know, difficult on a Sunday to look at what we're doing and think this is a hugely significant moment. This is the the, the crux of what God is doing in the world right now, us gathered here at St. Andrews. That, that is uh, part of my worldview that needs, I guess, upgrading mm. or refining.
0: Yeah. And for me, I think at this point I can affirm what my non-believing friends say, that the weekend is the high point of the week, <laughs> right? Everyone lives for uh, the weekend. Um, in my recent former life as a, as a worker, the happiest day of the week was clearly Friday. It was mm. actually the day of anticipation, not even the day of not working, right? So we had our leisure on Friday evening and, and Saturday and Sunday. Australians look forward to the weekend. Mm. It's the high point. Christians, should look forward to the weekend. That's the high point for them. On Sunday, Sunday morning or Sunday evening or whenever you gather with God's people, that is the high point of your week Mm. because that is the main event of the universe. That is where God is most clearly at work in uh, redeeming and then sustaining and growing a people under his King Jesus. Mm. The main
1: event of the universe and seeing it that way. I think we're going to speak more about the church in the coming chapters of Ephesians as well. But I think that's probably all we've got
0: time for in this first episode, Jonathan. So until next time, keep reflecting on the fact that God loves you, that he has blessed you in every possible way in his son, Jesus. And just keep remembering that you are part of his precious, precious church.
1: Well, thanks for listening. Theme music is by Neo Rose.